If I don't like the color of Starbucks cups, it's okay for me as a mature adult to go, hmm, I don't prefer those cups. I'm going to choose not to buy them. I don't have to be like, oh, God, they didn't say Merry Christmas. Hey everyone, welcome to another week of the Tension Podcast. We're a show that acknowledges that most of life and faith is lived in the tension between the two extremes. Each week we look at what many of us were taught growing up in evangelical churches. We weigh it against what our current culture is saying and we try to find what Jesus has for us in the tension between the two. We haven't met. My name is Jonathan Crone, and we're joined as always by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people. Hey, what's up? Hey, this, uh, you know, there's a lot of times when, our, uh, when we're talking about the tension of things are like bookends or the two opposite ends of something. But this is one of those topics that I think um, it's almost like you see the two ends here. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you can kind of see where I'm trying see the two ends, but you don't realize that they actually meet on the backside. Like they're the, like they're the, like a circle. It's actually a circle that's not closed. So, you know, I think a lot of these areas, when you have the extremes, the extremes are very, very similar to each other. And this is definitely one of those topics. Absolutely. Before we get into that, though, I do want to do some housekeeping and remind you that this season we are focusing on the culture war that's around us and how Christians can live and function in the midst of it. As a part of this season, we are doing our first ever Q&A mailbag that will release on Monday, October the 23rd. If you have a question for that that you'd like to have answered on any of these topics, uh, send those in by Thursday, October 19th. You can send them to hello at tensionpodcast.com or either one of us on social, Eric is at W712 on Instagram, and I am at Jonathan underscore Corone on them as well. Housekeeping's done. Let's get into the good of today. And here's a fun little nugget for you guys. Longtime listeners will appreciate this. I sent Eric the notes for this episode on Monday. We record Uh on Friday. At least I thought I sent them on Monday. Apparently so, yeah, I did email. not. You sent the email for the notes and I, I didn't r- include the attachment. So we are recording. No, Eric looked at the notes three minutes ago. So you yeah. guys get Eric off notes today. Hmm. It's one of those days. It's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a, we'll do it live situation for those <laughs> of you that know that reference. This week we're talking cancel culture, boycotts, and the hypocrisy between both sides of that and why Christians just shouldn't get wrapped up in all of it. But before we get into the details of that, we have to say this on the front end. The evangelical boycott of a company and the secular canceling of a person is essentially the same thing. They have different mm-hmm. labels. But for all intents and purposes, they function the exact same way. Essentially, what happens is someone, a business or a person, they do something that is disagreed with. And then one side calls for an all out boycott of that person or that business's products, goods or entertainment as a way to retaliate for the thing that they did. Yeah, it's just rallying your side against that other side. And so that other side could just be a person. Um, the other side could be a company, could be anything like that. And I think the other thing you got to think about in these situations is if we're honest, it's rarely about the individual or the company that's being boycotted or canceled. Um, those are usually just fodder 
for like this bigger proxy war, right? So when, um, you know, when, when somebody does something, tweets something or says something, and then all of a sudden there's a call from the left to cancel them, it's usually not about that person. It's about the fact that we cannot allow someone to say those things, to do those things, to, you know, engage in that sort of behavior as a whole, because we are fighting this war against the patriarchy, against you know, misogyny, against, you know, why, why does it always have to be men? But, you know, it's not all men, but it's always a man, right? It's like always about something like that or against anti-whatever. It's, it's rarely about the individual tweets. It's rarely about the individual person. On the same side, or I mean, on the other side, same thing with the organization. Like anytime you're talking about boycotting, and we'll get into some of these later, but like boycotting Disney, it's not about Disney. It's not about the experience you have in the parks. It's not about the movies. It's not about anything else like that. It's because the, the, when they put a princess on the screen, it didn't look like the princess that you thought it should look like. Or it's because they had one scene where two characters of the same gender happen to be married or something like that. So it's not even about the company. It's about what that represents. And so even in these boycotts and cancelings, the dumbest thing is we're not even fighting about the individual situation. It's this bigger meta problem that we're just engaged in. And these pieces become fodder for, for that sort of, you know, conflict. And that's what things have become. But if you've been listening to our show for any length of time, you know that I like to give historical context for the things that we talk about. A lot of times we think what we're experiencing today is new, but there's nothing new under the sun. And we're just repeating the same things past generations have done, but we're doing it under new labels and new talking points. And the truth of it is, if we look at the evangelical background that most of us come from, Christians have been boycotting things for, for decades. Way before cancel culture was a thing, way before we even had that language, those on the conservative Christian right were boycotting things they didn't agree with. And this week I did some mm -hmm. research. I came up with a list of nine things that Christians boycotted. And Eric, I want to see if you understand, if you remember why we boycotted them. Oh, okay. Great. Number one, Walt Disney. Because uh, Disney's woke. Number two, the oh, Beatles. I mean, back then, way back, wait, is that, is, I mean, <laughs> that's now, but like. In the 90s, in the day, why, did, why, uh, did we, why did we boycott Disney? In the 90s? I don't know. Probably something to do with sorcery. Okay. The Beatles. Oh, because they were definitely like rock and roll was the devil. And they were obviously like high and using drugs and stuff like that. Here's an easy one. Harry Potter. Sorcery. Martin Scorsese. Which is weird because I, I feel like most Christians, if they were just to talk to J.K. Rowling about her views on, on transgenders and things like that, like they, they'd be like, oh, yeah, she's one of us. Anyway. Martin Scorsese. Because <laughs> he's got big eyebrows. I don't know. <laughs> Starbucks. Oh, Starbucks is a Christmas because they canceled Christmas because they never, ever had they, they it's the red cups and they took off Merry Christmas from their cups, allegedly, when it really they didn't. Heinz. <laughs> uh, was it something to do with the purple ketchup back in uh, back with uh, with the Harry Potter ketchup? Wells maybe, Fargo. Maybe not. Oh, my God. Wells Fargo. <laughs> 
I don't know. <laughs> that one, that one gets me. And then the other two were Home okay. Depot and PetSmart. But- Home Depot, that probably probably has something to do with their. Oh, and you know, Christians, all, you didn't even put it in there. There's Chick fil A. Christians canceled well, Chick fil A. That was the recent one. Yeah, that, that happened oh, okay. earlier this year. But as oh, you these can are all see, historical. These are yeah, all historical. And PetSmart, I don't know. I, did they, was it something to do with like, no, that was a zoo. Didn't a zoo at one point have a, a, a wedding for gay penguins or something like that? So that wasn't PetSmart. The whole point of the silliness is that you can see these are boycotts that at some point in time, those on the Christian right called for a boycott and we don't even remember what it was for. But if we go back further than that, where the Christian boycott got its legs was actually a boycott that mattered. And I'm not going to get into all the details with this. There's an article from Relevant Magazine in the show notes that can give you all the details. But in 1978, the Interfaith Center on Corporate Responsibility began rallying Christians to boycott Nestle, the company. You might think of Nestle chocolate, but they also do a lot of other stuff. Uh, At the center of this boycott was some shady marketing around a new baby formula that Nestle had, had come out with, and they were promoting it as healthier than breast milk. So in their marketing, uh, they were promoting that this formula was better than breast milk or healthier. That's not what they boycotted for. What had happened, okay. though, was in developed. Let me guess. They had an ad campaign that said the formula Jesus would drink. No. No. Okay. Right. Good guess, though. What actually yeah, happened wait. was that families in developing nations could not afford to buy this formula, but they were still being marketed to that it was better than breast milk. So the families in these developing nations wanted the formula. So what they would do is they would buy as much as they could afford and dilute it with water because if it's better Uh. than breast milk, they want their what's best for their kids. And what ended up happening was these babies would get sometimes fatally malnourished and would end up dying because they were so young, so little and weren't getting the nutrients they needed. But because they'd been given this formula that was better than breast milk from birth, they couldn't switch to being breastfed. And sure. what happened because of that was this group called for a boycott of Nestle until they changed their marketing because it was actually literally killing babies in third world countries. It took six years, but the boycott did work and Nestle agreed to change their marketing and conform to international guidelines. The change cost Nestle 15 to 20, 15 to 20 million dollars in 1984 money. Yeah. So it was a big deal for Nestle to come come around and change their ways. But what was different about that boycott from so many of the silly ones that are going on today and that we grew up on? Uh, there were three things that relevant pointed out in the article that I think are really good for us to point out because this is why the boycott worked. And this is why it was a real thing. There was a real on the ground issue. The boycott wasn't about wokeness. It wasn't about CRT or not having Christmas on coffee cups. There was a real issue (laughs) impacting real people and harming others. Yeah. The second reason it worked is because it didn't benefit Americans at all the formula wasn't even available in the U S so, so this was not some self-serving thing that the Christian right was doing. They were advocating for the poor and the defenseless 
not their own self-preservation power or way of life. And the third reason it worked is because it was specific. There were real demands that brought real change and impacted real people. All of those things combined to a boycott that worked and was good. And I would argue was even holy. But like so many of the other things that we've seen on this show, something that was good and in line with scripture, it had success and brought about change and then was co-opted by others who wanted to use Christians to get what they wanted. Yeah, that that's the best part. Co-opted by others who wanted to use Christians to get what they wanted. So if you go back, this was this boycott was started by the Interfaith Center on Corporate Responsibility. Is that that's right? Yes. Yeah. So it wasn't started by uh, Ted Cruz or by Ron DeSantis or by you know insert political operative media. here. Yeah, political operative or you know whatever. It wasn't started by them. It was started by a group that's like, hey, this is a problem. We've got to get this solved. And I think that is like, uh, I don't know. There's a there's a couple of rallying cries or or, uh, um, you know, constants that we talk about on this podcast. And one of them, we keep coming back to this, is Christians being co-opted by others, Christians being used as pawns by others. And that's what's happening, is as soon as Christians were seen as a voting block or as a, you know, purchasing block that could be rallied around things, that, that's where we go. I would love to apply your three-way your three test here to, like, Disney. Is there a real on the ground issue for why why we need to rally behind Florida Governor Ron DeSantis to boycott or to, you know punish Disney? Uh, I, if there is, they're doing a terrible job at marketing it because I have no idea what it is. Like, does it benefit anyone other than Americans? No. And is it specific? Absolutely not, because that's part of the thing. Is like we've thrown around these words like woke that all of a sudden in completely lose their meaning on the other side it's like we say oh they're fascist right anyone who anyone who has any sort of a feeling that's different than yours is now all of a sudden fascist or we throw around racist or they're a bigot like all of those words start to lose their meaning because they don't have a specific either definition or you're just going overboard with this whole sky is falling deal you know or boy who cried wolf insert your idiom here right? When any little thing happens that you don't like. And I think at some point here, look, look at me. You're watching. Look at me. At some point, it's not for you, Jonathan, everybody else. Look at me. I'm still looking though. At some, at some point, it's okay for you to not like something. It's okay for something to not be your preference. It's okay for something, quite frankly, to be a little weird to you or icky if we were to talk about it. But that doesn't mean that you have to boycott it. And it doesn't mean that you have to keep other people from it. And it doesn't mean you have to rally around all your other idiots that are in your friend group to try and be against it as well. Okay. If I don't like the color of Starbucks cups. It's okay for me as a mature adult to go, hmm, I don't prefer those cups. I'm going to choose not to buy them. I don't have to be like, oh, God, they didn't say Merry Christmas. <laughs> like, take a breath, bro. Take a breath. I actually want to push back a little bit on something you said there that you ended up saying a little differently that, sure. because I think we agree here. I, and this is my, my view on this. I fully support and agree with not giving money and supporting people or organizations you disagree with. I think you would agree with that, right? Sure. 
Like yeah. mm-hmm. if you don't like something, if you don't like the way someone's doing something, you have every right not to support that thing or that organization personally. I'm all for it. There are multiple things that I choose not to engage with for moral or religious reasons. Those are my choices. We can talk about those later if we want to. But what I don't do, I think this is where you would agree. I'm not going to go out and tell other people to boycott the same thing for the same reasons. I'm not going to go out and evangelize for my boycott and call on everyone else to boycott it if it's something that is purely preferential or something yeah. that I may not think is right, but isn't actually impacting other people. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm all for that, that I completely agree. And I think the other piece is figuring out why and why you would talk about it or like opening up if somebody asks you about it, that's okay. But you know, there's, there's this piece of virtue signaling, which I don't know if we've, if, if that's on your bingo list for yep, later buzzwords, like go ahead and put that up. But like, there's this bit of virtue signaling where it's like, um, barstool sports comes on for you and you're, you're what, you know, and like all of a sudden it comes on your feed and normal, rational, mature Jonathan would just scroll right by. Yep. I don't, but so I don't he, want, Eric knows this about me. I, I haven't publicized it. I don't watch barstool things. I don't engage with barstool, um, their content because I don't love the way that they have historically treated women and the way that they have kind of used women to grow their brand. I know many of the things sure. that are on barstool currently are not that way anymore, but it's just a personal choice that I don't feel like giving them my attention, but I'm not going to go and sure. rally other people to do the same thing. I'm just going to scroll. So it comes up right. Mature, you know, emotionally secure. Jonathan scroll just scrolls by. It's fine. Um, the virtue signal part would be like, as soon as it comes up for you to like compose some tweet or some thread or whatever and talk about it and how terrible it is or tell everybody around you, ugh you know, make some big deal about it or like chuck your phone halfway across the room. Like you don't need to go that far. It's just, no, I'm, I'm mature enough to avoid it. I think where the problem lies for most people is we have a hard time with the cognitive dissonance over something can be okay in general, but not okay for me. Something can be right or acceptable in general, but not acceptable for me. And we confuse those things. And then when we confuse those things, now all of a sudden something that's like preferential for me that says, I don't prefer this thing, um, gets mixed in with something that is absolutely morally reprehensible. And when you, when you start putting those things on the same, and when you start putting Starbucks red cup on the same level as like Bill Cosby or Harvey Weinstein, like that's the problem is we approach it with the same level of anger and those two are definitely not the same when you're going after Disney at the same level as you would be going after, uh, you know, I don't know, insert whatever, like whatever tragedy is happening. Like those things are not the same and it just makes us look stupid and you honestly lose your voice and your boycott power. So let's use a Cosby and Weinstein as an example, because yes, they were both canceled and I would say rightfully so. But if we go back and look at our Nestle example of the boycott, why was that success? Why was that boycott successful? There was a real on the ground issue. 
Was that the case with Cosby and Weinstein? Yes. Yes. It did not benefit the people who were boycotting it. It was, it was in the no. name and defense of other people who were being hurt or abused. Yes. Cosby is hilarious. Uh-huh. Some of his stand-up specials were absolutely can watch 10 times still laughing out loud funny. So it's actually sure. taking away from my entertainment. I lose something if I choose to boycott Bill Cosby and not watch any of his uh-huh. old stuff anymore. So yes, yep. it's not about me and I'm losing something and it's was mm-hmm. it specific? Yes, there were very specific things that brought about real change. If you look at the Weinstein stuff and the fallout from that, the way Hollywood operates is 100% different now than when it yep. was when Weinstein was abusing and raping and all the things he did to women in Hollywood. Right. So yeah, those those match up, but when we when we choose to boycott Chick-fil-A because they've had a diversity um, inclusion executive for the past three years and it finally comes out and we're going to boycott Chick-fil-A because even though they're a Christian company who give millions of dollars away to help the unfortunate and the underserved and the underprivileged, we're going to boycott them because they've now gone woke. Does that, is there a real on the ground issue there? No. No. Did it benefit any, did it benefit me? I mean, uh, no, I, I feel I better about myself. Yeah. Is it specific? Yeah, I guess. I Not really. It's just because they have, like, you don't even know what their DEI department does. So you can't say that it's specific and de- demands other than you're wanting someone to be fired or a department. Right. Well, but that's, that's exactly what we talked about earlier is like you, it's not even about the issue. It's about the greater issue. So if you actually read their DEI statement, their corporate DEI statement, like some people would look at that and go, they've conspicuously left out a couple of, uh, what do I want to say? D, E, and I categories out of their DEI statement because they are Christian and because they have certain views. And so it's like, I, I would say that a lot of people would say on the progressive side would say that that DEI statement doesn't go far enough. And yet mm-hmm. conservatives are, on, are out here going, Oh no, the fact that it exists, that's a problem. The other thing, as we record this, which probably dates it a little bit, but like Ted Cruz is coming out and he's railing against the Barbie movie. And he's, he says, well, I haven't seen it, but I heard they mention, uh, you know, the patriarchy, patriarchy or 17 something times. like yeah, yeah. So 17 times. And so it's like, he doesn't even know he hasn't even seen it. And he's saying these things and, you know, people all of a sudden they see an image of a black aerial from Little Mermaid. And now they're up in arms about these sort of sort of things. It's like it's it's not specific. So your third point, it's not specific at all. It's just, oh, this kind of it's like the LaCroix of an issue. I kind of get the essence and the smell that it could possibly <laughs> be something that I want to be upset about. And so then I'm going to be upset about it. It's like, let's stop. Let's stop getting fired up about. LaCroix type of issues, thinking that it's a highly concentrated, you know, flavor of these problems. When we call on people to boycott businesses based on every slight hit to our preferred way of life, we lose the opportunity to impact culture when a real boycott is needed. We become the boy who boycotted the wolf. Essentially, no one's going to listen to us anymore because we, we have taken this powerful thing that we have, our 
economic ability to impact other things. And we have used it for so many things that don't matter. So then finally, when it does matter, no one's going to listen to us anymore because we've used that tool so many other places that didn't matter. And here's the thing that we also, that frustrates the crap out of me. There is a hypocrisy within every version of cancel culture and boycotting that's coming up in our culture today. And this is where I believe the fundamentalists and the progressives both miss so badly. They call for boycotts or they call for cancellations based on issue X, Y, or Z. But they call for the boycotts and cancellations on platforms like Facebook or Twitter on devices that were built with computer chips mined in third world countries, and they're completely oblivious to the hypocrisy there. Or they shout down the actions of company A while supporting politician B, who is known for doing things that are just as bad as the company they're boycotting. And I think if we want to be honest about this entire conversation and this entire perspective, we have to acknowledge and recognize the hypocrisy of our boycotts. I don't agree with X, but I'm not giving up Y. We all live within that. I don't agree with the way the Saudi government treats women or kills journalists, but Manchester (laughs) city plays really pretty soccer. And I know they own a good portion of that. And I enjoy watching Manchester city play soccer. Right. When Ronaldo goes to the Saudi league, you yep. know, I'm going to check out the highlights. I don't agree with how Jeff Bezos treats his workers in the plants at Amazon or how he actively fights their ability to unionize. But you know how convenient it is to order something from my bed at 10 PM at night and it's here by noon the next day. I'm not giving that up. I don't yep. like Coke's history on worker rights violations. But my goodness, after I play around a disc golf, a cherry Coke, a fountain cherry Coke with no ice from Chick-fil-A, <laughs> it's the best thing in the world. And I'm not going to give it up anytime soon. Yeah. Try getting, I mean, that's right. That's part of it is like, try, try removing everything that Coca-Cola's parent company or Coca-Cola and all its subsidiaries, try removing those products from your life. Good luck. Yes. We are all hypocritical when we, when we do this. Yeah. Well, you and I talk about this too. I mean, it's like, it's anytime I hear the Disney thing, it's so funny because it's like, you'll hear the conservatives that come out and rally against Disney's wokeness while still planning to use their two weeks of vacation in the Magic Kingdom. It's like, yeah, you could be like, yeah, get them DeSantis. And then next thing you know, you're still, you're still doing the princess breakfast meet and greet with your daughter. It's like, okay, what, what's going on here? My mother-in-law still boycotts Target because of the bathroom thing a few years ago. And she literally will not go to Target to get anything. If we want to get some, if she wants to buy my kid a present for their birthday, but it's only at Target, she'll give us the money to go there. Like she's still spending the money there at Target, but she (laughs) won't walk into a Target because of the bathroom thing. It's a principal thing. And I mean, that's part of it. And I mean, we started to talk about it earlier, but like it's the cognitive dissonance issue. It's hard for you to go. You, You can't hold two things to be true in your brain to say, I don't agree with this, but it's okay for it to it's it, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong or 
I don't think this is right, but it's okay for other people to think it's right. And I think like the, the sign of emotional maturity for many people is like when you can finally be okay with getting over that and saying, I don't prefer to do this thing, but it's not something I need to keep others from doing and identifying even the things like, I'm sure there's people that, well, I don't know if you're listening to the podcast at this point, if you believe this, but like at that, where, where you get it and you're like, no, but you got to understand, like my kids watch Buzz Lightyear and they see two, uh, two women who are married in a relationship in one scene where they don't even give it context. Like that's going to tear down the fabric of our, of our family values. Parent them. No, dude, it's not, you know, like stop. Be a parent. Don't expect a secular culture to imprint your chosen morality or religious convictions onto your kids through their secular entertainment medium. Be a parent, disciple them. Yep. So why does all this matter? Why have we spent nearly 30 minutes talking about cancel culture and boycotts and the hypocrisy between them? And here's, I'm going to get to that in a second, but I want to say this first because it goes into this, whether we want to admit it or not, both sides of this tension are virtue signaling something. When you choose to boycott or choose to cancel something, you are virtue signaling something. The textbook definition of virtue signaling is the public expression of opinions or sentiments intended to demonstrate one's good character or social conscience or the moral correctness of one's positions on a particular issue. The thing that I find interesting about this as a side note is that the Oxford Dictionary puts the word derogatory next to this when you look it up online. Um, But in today's culture war, in that version of these cancellations and boycotts, what it has turned into, especially from the evangelical side, which is the side we come from, and it's the side we speak into the most, it's a game of virtue signaling that we are better than the other side. Our boycotts are not about real on-the-ground issues. They're not about advocating for a marginalized group. There aren't specific demands of things that need to be changed to protect a group who is being actively harmed. Instead, what they have become is about showing the other side you're better than them. You care about things better than they do. You are you have better morality or it's protecting our own self-interests. Or try, I mean, the other thing too is trying to prove that you are in the in group or trying to prove, I mean, this is mostly from the political standpoint, but it's like you're, it's tribalism where as a politician, they've got to come out and they've got to say something about whatever, you know, whatever the thing is to true, to prove that they're a true progressive or to prove that they're a true conservative or a true, you know, uh, family values supporter. And it's like, how many times do you see that happen where you got somebody that, that is trying to rally around like, yes, I'm a, I'm a man of, I'm a politician of family values. And they got all these skeletons in their closet or whatever. It's like, Oh my gosh, that this is something that you're not even, you're not even really lining these up with your values. It's all for something else for, for show. And if that's the case, if it's all for show, if it's, if we're in a culture where we're constantly expressing our opinions to show people our character or our social conscious or our moral correctness, 
we need to be awfully careful about what we align ourselves with and how we talk about it. Do we as Christians want to be known as the group who throws a fit because a corporation chooses to be inclusive during the holiday season? Is that what we want to be known for? Do we want to align ourselves with political operatives who want us to boycott openly Christian businesses just because they have, quote, gone woke by having a watered-down diversity and inclusion department? Right. To still align. Yeah, it's it, but, it, but it's cannibalism. I mean, I think that, that before you get into that line, which is a great one, like, it's cannibalism. We end up, like, eating our own. And which is something funny because I've seen clips on YouTube of guys like Ben Shapiro and other people, other conservative people are like always talking about how the libs are out there eating their own. And it's like, no, everybody, everybody on the extreme is doing it. You're, you're undercutting people that are doing good stuff for quote unquote your side because you need to keep up these appearances or because there's some sort of clickbait or, you know, you're, monetizing people's rage because you got to go, no, we've got to be upset about this. And we got to rally people around this upset deal, even if it starts to become friendly fire, because you honestly, you don't care about your position. You, you don't care about the, the global position that you have. You care about your own self-interest. To still align for a lot of preachers. Most of you have heard this before and it can get cheesy it can get overused but i think it is very applicable to what we're talking about here as a person who calls themselves a christian do you want to be known for what you're against or what you're for when we get stuck and when we get sucked into the cancel culture boycott portion of this culture war that are, that we're in our reputation and our standing in the culture at large become about the things we are against and not the things that we are for. I don't know about you, the listener. I would assume you agree with this because you're listening to this, but I want to be known as the person who sees everyone the way Jesus sees them. I want to be known as the person who loves those I disagree with who are living lives I think are wrong. I want that to be my reputation. I want people to see me and know that even if they're doing things that they know I think is wrong, they know I'm going to love and care for them. One of the best, um, I take it as a compliment, Eric. I don't know if, if you experience this. This may be a Southern thing. But when I am around someone who I know is not a practicing Christian and they drop a cuss word, or they reference something that is outside of traditional Christianity, they will apologize to me because they know what my convictions are. Uh, and they, they know I'm not going to judge them. It's not a, like a guilt thing. It's just they, they know where I stand on things and they respect me enough to, hey, hey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I did that. Let me, let me back up. I, I forgot who I was with type of thing. Like, I'm going to respect you enough. But they also know I'm, they, they don't feel guilt in it because they know I'm not going to judge them. Is that a Southern thing or is that something you've experienced as well? I think it's kind of a church thing. But yeah, Southern, Southern thing. It's, uh, I've always talked about it where it's like people who are like Christian adjacent or they're respectful of the deity of, of God, but not necessarily practicing Christians. You know, I'd get that a lot from like when I was, um, you know, 
when I when I was in working in church as a pastor, things like that. If there were people that were like former Catholics or other stuff like that, where they had a general reverence for God but weren't practicing, there was a lot of that. Where it was like, oh, sorry, I shouldn't say that, or uh, I know we don't want to bring that up in front of you, those sorts of things. So yeah, that's that's not just a Southern thing. Okay. But I don't know if you've experienced if if this is for you, and I think a lot of people would disagree. You know, there's probably a lot of people that would disagree with me, and I'm okay with that. But in essence, like I think about, um, you know, you you've probably been to a lot of funerals. I've, I've done a lot of funerals everything else like that and it's like when people stand up and they talk about someone when they're when they've passed i try to think through like what what is it that you want like you said what do you want to be known for and the types of people it's so weird the the hoops you have to jump through and the justifications you have to make to make what what their way of life was sound uh sound like yay that's what we want to celebrate was like, well, you know, Uncle Uncle Bill, Uncle Bob, he was a man of conviction, always stood up for what he believed in and always spoke his mind and spoke his truth and like that sort of thing. And like contrast that with the people that are like, you know, everybody loved to be around grandma. It didn't matter if she believed what you believed. It didn't matter if you believed what she believed. Everyone felt safe around her table. Oof. Whoa. like. I would rather be which one would you rather be then? Yeah, I'd rather be number two than number one. And it's like the people that are like, oh, yeah, well, you know what? At the end of my life, I want people to know that I stood up for something and that I would. I don't know why I give it a southern accent, but that's just kind of what it feels like in my head. But like I stood I stood up for something and I had convictions and I wasn't shaken and I wasn't going to allow anybody else to X, Y and Z. It's like, great. You want a medal? Because <laughs> I guarantee most of the people in that room thought you were an a-hole. You know? You might have other people shaking their head going, yep, dang right. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But there were people that you probably negatively affected in your life. And, I mean, maybe go as far as to say that you soured their their view of Christ and the church because of your quote-unquote convictions and saying it as it is and not allowing, you know, whatever, not allowing a foothold for the devil, anything like that. It's like, bro, I would rather have someone that makes extra seats at their table for people that they don't agree with and don't believe what they believe than someone who is going to shut doors to keep people out. And it's like, man, any, anyone on that, any of that list up there, Walt Disney, Beatles, Harry Potter, Scorsese, Starbucks, Heinz, Wells Fargo, Home Depot, PetSmart. There are employees of those stores. There are fans of that, of the, of that media. Other, there are people that are actually working in that area. It's like, why don't we make an extra seat at the table for conversations to happen? as opposed to closing doors and keeping the conversations out. We mentioned this quote last week. It's from Richard, uh, Russell Moore. And I think it goes along again with what you're saying, Eric. I want to be like Jesus, where the people who are far from God know exactly what I believe, but I conduct myself in a way where none of them are confused about the fact I love them and that I do not fear being put out of the in-group for being associated with them. Yep. I've got my convictions. Jesus absolutely had his. I'm not going to back down on my convictions and I'm not going to consume nor support things that go against my convictions. But that is not what I want to be known for. I want to be known by the way that I conduct myself so that no one's confused about what I believe, but they're also not confused about the fact that I love them 
I accept them and I want them to be a part of this society we're all living in together. Mm -hmm. And I think one other thing I would add to that is I understand there are different levels of emphasis for my convictions. My conviction and belief, this is not mine, but in general, to say Merry Christmas as opposed to Happy Holidays, I am not going to put on the same level as my conviction and belief that women and children and those in vulnerable populations should be protected from predators. That's like, as soon as you start swinging your fists at an equal level for those convictions, that's, that is another piece that just puts you in a category all its own that you lose your power. And uh, I would even say you cheapen your convictions. With that in mind to close out today, the next time you hear someone calling for a boycott or for canceling something Cancel. in culture, ask these questions. Is it about a real on the ground issue? Number one. Number two, is this boycott advocating for a marginalized group? And number three, are there specific demands that need to be changed to protect a group who is being actively harmed? If the answer to those questions is yes, then by all means, I would say that boycott is in line with the gospel and is in line with what Jesus tells us we should be doing. If it is not, if the answer to those questions is no, then that is a preferential thing based on your morality or your politics or your way of life, where you're trying to take everything that you believe in and project it onto everyone else. And whether we like it or not, we live in a secular, pluralistic society where we all have to figure out how to do this together. And we cannot be turning this into a theocracy because that is not what we live in. You got anything else before we leave? Amen and amen and amen as I close. <laughs> I hear the pad playing in the background. This is good. This All is right. Good. Well, that's it for this week. This is a little shorter than we have been. Next week, we're going to be talking about what Jesus cared about, social justice warriors, and woke Christianity. So oh, we're actually going to try and define what woke is because oh, no man. one on the Christian right can do it. So we're going to try and actually give you a definition and talk about where wokeness comes from. If you want to know better <laughs> because two white guys in their thirties should be doing that. That's if you right. want to send a question, you are the only white guy in your thirties. Now I forgot. I turned 40 this year. I forgot. So, yes. Two middle-aged white guys should be educating people on wokeness. But and as my mother-in-law said, she didn't realize how much gray hair I was getting. So that was fun. I feel good about that. If you want to send a question in for our mailbag Q&A episode on October the 23rd, please get those to us by Thursday, October 19th. You can send them to us on social. Eric is at Eric W712 on all the major platforms. I am at Jonathan underscore Corona on them as well. Or you can email them to us at Tension Podcast or hello at TensionPodcast.com. If you like the show, do us a favor and rate us and review us wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app if you haven't already. Share this episode if you, with a friend if you found it interesting or helpful. But as always, we want to thank you for making us a part of your day, and we'll talk to you again next week.
Have a great week. Ta-da!